dismissed for Children's Church. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. And we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, this morning, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Dear church, thank you for the prayers to our Lord. The meals were great. We don't like missing so many services, but at times it can't be helped. We hope we stay well for some time in Christ, Bob and Dottie Galt, and they're here today, and so praise the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord for that and um, uh, the progress that they have, that they have made. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, so I got these for VBS. So wait for it, okay? They're awesome. Wendy tried to talk me out of buying these. I said, are you kidding me? They were like $1.99. She wouldn't let me wear them around at Goodwill, though, but I wanted to. And I got that, and then I got the nose to go with it. So when I, uh, I, I lose your attention, I'm going to put these on and uh, get your attention back. But uh, I am so excited about, um, about v- VBS and... Um, and uh, I know uh, that many of you uh, would be involved if you could be, but we certainly appreciate your prayers uh, because they are uh, much needed. And um, we don't have this because we don't have anything else to do in June. Um, we, this is a lot of work. Uh, we have it for a purpose, uh, and that is to reach families in our community. And so um, we are uh, really looking forward uh, to having uh, a great uh, uh, a great vacation Bible school. I think uh, Miss Tina and the kids, they, they, they went door to door with those flyers and passed out, I don't know, 50,000 flyers or something like that. I mean, they went 97, uh, they got to pass out and um, uh, invite people out to our vacation Bible school. And so uh, what, a, um, uh, what a blessing that was as well. First, or Second Timothy chapter number four, Second Timothy chapter number four, and uh, the purpose... For our vacation Bible school, and one of the purposes for our church is to get out the Word of God. So what do people need? Do people need a church? Yes, people need a church. Uh, Hebrews 10 says, to, to not forsake the assembling yourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we say the day approaching, okay? So we, we ought to be gathering together more and more and more and more, okay? Um, so yeah, people do, do need the church, okay? Do people need one another? Of course we need one another. In the, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And uh, it's great to have someone to lean on, to be a, a, a burden bearer, bear you one another's burdens, Galatians 6 says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, we certainly... Uh, need each other as well. But you can have a church and you can have each other and it not be spiritual. I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. I don't know if you've ever been to a church before that you went into and you thought to yourself, what was that? They had music and they had uh, uh, somebody get up and speak. And I want you to know something. They get up and speak at the Moose Lodge, too. 
I mean, to get up and speak at a, at a, at a, a convention, too, it, it doesn't mean it's spiritual. What do we need that's going to change our lives? We need to preach the Word. 2 Timothy 4, right? Verse 2, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. God says we need to get out the Word of God. Whether we're in a church setting or we're at home with our children and our family, or we're out in the community, what changes lives? Two things that are necessary to change a life. Okay? Three things that are necessary to change a life. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and Jesus Christ. You take those things out, and you just have a gathering every year. I mean every year when I was little. We lived everywhere when I was a kid. I mean, we moved, I went to seven different schools in my first six years. And uh, we moved all over the place. My parents divorced when I was nine, and, and uh, my dad lived on a place called Potter Hill. And Potter Hill existed of my dad, my uncle, Bob, my uncle Scott, who wasn't my uncle. You all have those aunts and uncles that I don't even know why we ever called him Uncle Scott. He's not related to us at all. Uncle Scott, and then a farmer that lived way down at the other end. He had a humongous farm at the end. That was Potter Hill. I don't know how we got I guess we named it ourselves. I don't know. But every year on Potter Hill, right on the side of the really kind of a, a hill that was part of a mountain, We'd have a family get-together. We'd have a clam fest. Oh, my goodness. We'd have clams, and we'd have oysters. And, we'd, and you, back then, man, you ate them raw, and you ate, I mean, you used to, I mean, I mean, I remember, those, I don't remember a lot when I was a kid, but I remember those get-togethers. Can I tell you something? Nothing spiritual happened at those get-togethers. We didn't go to church. I wasn't raised in church. There was more than clams and oysters, I promise you that. And uh, they just, the whole family. I mean, there's, everybody just had a, a great time. But nothing, there was a get-together, but nothing spiritual happened. Do you know there are a lot of places that call themselves churches that are just get-togethers? And they just meet together, and, and they have a good time together singing, and they have a good time together fellowshipping, and they have a good time together eating, and they have, they, have, they have a time together like a family. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but at some point, something spiritual has got to go on in the church. If we're going to praise and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be... Partially by getting out the Word of God. This is what God's Word says. Because God's Word, we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school this morning, out of Psalm 119, when the Scripture talks about, not only in Psalm 119, but in Psalm 1, and in, in, in Matthew 4.4, 4, and just different places, where we're to meditate on God's Word. We're to meditate on God's Word. And we're to meditate on God's Word so that we know God's Word, so that we might give an answer for the hope that lies within us. What is the answer? You ever thought about that? What is the answer? 
The answer is not what we come up with. The answer is I, I always loved when I worked in junior church and at, at Trinity was running a bus route, and uh, I'd ask the kids um, when they come down to the dealing center, I'd ask them this question: Why are you here to get saved? What does it mean to be saved? It's the question I asked them. And man, I got everything from one time I fell out of the boat and my uncle reached down and grabbed me and pulled me up out of there and he saved me. And I got, I mean, I'd get all these answers about, and I'd say, you're right. I mean, he, he saved your life. I mean, good. he didn't drown. And so praise the Lord. But do you know what it means to be saved for eternity? Do you know where you get the answer for that? We don't get the answer for that from something that you made up. We don't get an answer from that from something some man wrote. We get the answer from that. We get an answer for that from the Word of God. If we get the answer for that from anywhere else, it's a false gospel. Do you know how many false gospels are out there? Do you know how many ways there are to heaven? Now we know because of the Word of God, there's only one way to get to heaven. In Romans chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the only way. But you know, there's a lot of people out there, and I'm talking about a lot of people out there, that believe that there are different ways to get to heaven. And that Jesus is only a way, not the way. And so, I can get to heaven through this way, and I can get to heaven through this way. And where do they get those things? Well, they get them from their own mind. They get them from the writings of other people. They get them from all these different directions. So there's got to be a litmus test. There's got to be something that says, hey, this is truth. Well, good news, John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. God's word's truth. So everything else, listen, if it's contrary to the word of God, then it's falsehood. If you read a book, just think about this for a second. If you read a book, and you're reading through this book, and there were all sorts of mathematical errors in it. This writer said, listen, let me tell you something. They've been teaching you wrong this whole time. Two plus two really equals six. And I want you to know about, about this. This is, this is really not true. This is really not called a triangle. It's called a... And you start reading through this, and you think to yourself, wait a minute, this guy's a quack. Everything he's saying is wrong. So if he's wrong, now you ever think about this? If he's wrong in this, what else is he wrong in? Right? It's kind of like somebody that lies. If he's lying about this, what else is he lying about? It's like a politician. Somebody said the only time a politician's lying is when he's talking. Not all politicians are like that. Praise God. But a lot of them are. I mean, they'll just tell you, I mean, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Do you understand there's a lot of so-called preachers that'll just tell you how, what you want to hear? I remember, I remember um, hearing this preacher. It's been years ago now, and we were at a, uh, we were at a Bible conference, and we were, we were um, listening to this preacher talk about this other preacher. That's good friends of his. And they had a conversation and this preacher said to this other preacher, he said, Now, why, why do you preach? I know you don't believe that you can lose your salvation. Why do you preach that you can lose your salvation? And the guy looked him in the face and he said this to him. It's the only way I can keep my people straight. 
That's a pretty bad reason to preach heresy. It's a pretty bad reason to preach falsehood. There's never a good time to preach falsehood. There's never a good time. Listen, there's never a good time to lie in your taxes. It's going to catch up with you. I'm here to tell you. Do you remember the guy? Remember the creation guy who said that he ain't, pay, he, he ain't paying his taxes because God told him not to pay his taxes? Well, he's in prison because you have to pay your taxes. It's never a right time to preach falsehood. There's never a right time to misinterpret the word of God. We need to preach the word and we need to be ready to give an answer. We need to be instant, in season. We always need to be ready with a message. You see, it's not just for the preacher. Preachers should be ready to preach the word. Now, there is such a thing called, when preaching, extemporaneous preaching. Okay? That means, literally, that means on the spot preaching. You didn't study. You didn't do it. You just, on the spot. I mean, you get up there and you preached what God gave you. Now, once upon a time, that used to be a real thing. Some of these old preachers, I'm telling you, some of these old preachers didn't even know how to read. Literally, didn't even know how to read. Didn't know how to write. They'd, they'd, they'd have their children or have their spouse read them the Word of God and they'd get up and preach the Word of God and the power of God was all over them. Today, extemporaneous preaching is generally lazy preachers that don't want to study. And they get up there and they just say, now I'm not saying they're all like that, I'm just telling you. Is Listen, God can give it to you right now and God can give it to you before time too. We need to know what we're saying before we say it. We need to, before we speak, we need to be studied. We need to know that this is thus saith the Lord. There have been times, I'm telling you, there have been times where I've been in meetings, listening to preachers, I mean spitting and snorting and jumping over pews and throwing hymn books, and I mean, I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen it all. And I mean, they're up there preaching. I heard this one preacher, if I gave you his name, you'd know who he was. And he's preaching away up against TV and TV's from the devil. And it's, you know, it's just the devilision and it's all, and whatever. You believe what you want to believe about television. But don't go in the back and sell your DVDs afterwards. What are you watching the DVDs on? Right? I mean, be... Be consistent, be biblical when you are preaching the Word of God. And know it is thus saith the Lord. There are things that people speak and that people preach that are their opinions. And that's okay as long as you say, this is my opinion. But when it comes to the book, when it comes to the Bible, we need to preach the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Not your opinion of it, not your interpretation of it, but what does the Bible say? We need to share God's book. We need to share God's book. Remember Philip? I love over there in Acts, uh, Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, Philip uh, runs in to this Ethiopian. And uh, I love... 
chapter, uh, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 8, verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? He's asking him a, a biblical question. And I love what the Bible says about Philip in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Then Philip opened up his mouth and gave his opinion. No, the Bible didn't say that. The Bible says he opened up his mouth at the same scripture that this Ethiopian eunuch was was asking about and preached unto him Jesus. What do people need? People need hope. Now, 4th of July is coming up, right? It's time we celebrate our country. As messed up as our country is, in my opinion, it's the greatest place to live. And if you don't think so, get, get, you a, get you an airplane ticket and go somewhere else. That's just the way I am. I love America. It's messed up, and we're heading in the wrong direction. And by the way, we've been heading in the wrong direction for a long time. A long time. And you can blame it on Biden, you can blame it on Obama, and you can blame it on Trump, and you can blame it on whoever you want to. But I'm telling you something, we don't, have, we, don't, we don't just have a political problem, we have a spiritual problem. Spiritual problem. We have turned our backs on the Word of God. Uh, we've turned our backs on prayer. We've turned our backs on God Himself. And uh, so we have a problem in our country. I get it. I understand that. It's a spiritual problem. But I'm telling you, God bless America. I'm, I'm thankful to be able to live uh, in a country that, uh, that uh, um, uh, Brother Wendell said, you know, a place that's free. A place that we can stand up and preach, thus saith the Lord. A place that we can pray publicly. A place that we can hand out the Word of God. But I'm telling you, church, we're getting close to the day where some of those things are going to become illegal. We have the opportunity now to give out the Word of God. We have the opportunity now to take time for others, to be able to speak the truth. We, we broke down. We, were, we broke down. The tire was flat, and we were in this gas station, and uh, we were just outside of Hinesville. I don't know if you've ever been to Hinesville. There's just nothing there. I mean, it's the base. The base left Hinesville, and Hinesville would collapse on itself. I mean, it's just that's the base. The base makes Hinesville. So we're outside of Hinesville, which is really nothing. But there's a Parker's. If there's a Parker's, I'm stopping. I like Parker's drinks. Okay, so we stopped at Parker's, and, man, the air sensor just kept going down and down. And so we checked the air, and sure enough, it was, it was, it was, it was going flat. So we sat there, and so Kyle comes up with all these redneck. I mean, he is a redneck by nature, that boy. So he's come up all these redneck ways to try to get this, this thing jacked up. And we had two different people, I mean, country folk, stop and say, you need any help? Got a hydraulic jack. I mean, that'd be that'd be wonderful. I got one at the house. I'll just run up to the house and bring it back. Praise God. <laughs> we'll wait on you. And wait. And wait. I don't know if it was a joke. And waited. And waited. The third guy comes along and says, Hey, he says, You guys okay? I mean, he is in a lunker. I mean, a boat. You ever seen those cars that that could, I guarantee they could float. I mean, there's great big car. All the windows are down because the air conditioning don't work. I mean, he was country as sweet tea and fried chicken, okay? And he stopped and said, you need any help? Kyle said, 
no, we got all the help we can get. You know, these people keep keep going. He said, he said, two people have said they're going to go get a jack. He said, well, I got one in the trunk. Kyle said, I'll take it. And man, that guy got out of his car, got opened his trunk, didn't know us from Adam. Did the jack, and of course it was a hydraulic, so it was, the truck went up. Waited for us to get the tire off, put the tire back on. Of course, Kyle was acting like he was, you know, NASCAR was doing it so fast. And, and I got the thing back down, and the guy said, you need anything else? And I'm thinking to myself, the most unlikely person, right? The most unlikely person. I said, man, I really appreciate it. He said, hey, that's no problem. I hope you'd stop if, if I was on the side of the road. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I hope I would have stopped too. It was really a gut check. Do we take the time for others? We talked about that last week, remember? Do we take the time for others? You know, there's going to be a time where it's not going to be legal to hand out the Word of God. Why don't you hand out the Word of God while it is legal? Why aren't we preaching the Word of God while it is legal? Why aren't we standing up and and preaching on things that are controversial now while it is legal? I'm telling you right now, it is around the corner, church, before you could say anything against transgender or homosexuals. That's around the corner. Matter of fact, I want you to know something. I want you to know there are Christians get there are Christians that get upset when you make mention of it. You tell you something, Pastor. We're just supposed to love people. I agree. We are supposed to love people. We're supposed to love people unconditionally. We're supposed to love people like God loves us. Isn't that what the Bible says? Sure does. That doesn't mean we get to excuse their sin. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be ugly. There's some people, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. There's some people out there. You ever listen to that joker from Arkansas? His last name. Hope some of y'all don't like him. Anyways, um, Anderson. He's supposed to be supposedly the new independent fundamental. Don't look him up. Hey, I shouldn't even have mentioned it. I thought, sir, some of you are here. I mean, he is so mean-spirited. Against, against homosexuals. Matter of fact, when Obama was in office, he prayed that God would kill him in his church. Now listen to me. One a fan of Obama, okay? I didn't vote for him. I ain't praying that God would kill him. I mean, he would scream and holler and be ugly, and some of the things he was saying was true. <laughs> Not about Obama. Don't go out of here saying I said that. But I'm saying some of the other things he was saying was true. He was just saying them in the wrong way, in the wrong manner, being really ugly. And guess what? He's a Baptist. So yay for you. Yay for me. Because all Baptists are like that. That's what, that's what the world sees. That's why it's so important for when you preach the word, for when you share the word of God, that you share it in the right manner. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Stop being a jerk. Stop being mean-spirited. Just because you have the Word of God, just because you have truth, you can use the truth in the wrong way. It's God's Word. Listen to me. It's God's Word that convicts. It's God's Word that convicts. Do you know why people don't read the Word of God? Because... God has, a, God has a way of gut checking. You ever watch a fight? You ever watch a fight and somebody get punched in the liver? Ever seen that before? 
You ever see somebody in a fight and all of a sudden they go, and like fall over and you're like, what is wrong with him? Let me tell you something, get punched in the liver. And I'm telling you, it will stop all your organs. I mean, it stops everything and it hurts bad. You know what God's word will do? Man, it's a liver punch. If you're not doing what's right and you read God's word, it'll convict you. That's what the Word of God does. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does. He convicts you of the things that you're not doing right. He convicts you of the things that you're not doing that you should be doing. Conviction. The Word of God, Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. Let me tell you what God's Word will do. He will convict you. He will cut you like a knife. God's word convicts. Number two, God words, God's word converts. God's word converts. It's God's word. Listen to me. It's the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ that people are saved. You take Jesus out of the equation, you take hope out of the equation. You take Jesus out of the equation, you take salvation out of the equation. On a, I want to share something with you. Loving God will not get you to heaven. I know that's going to be a shocker for a lot of people. Loving God. You see, this is the idea. We want to love God without going through Jesus. But you can't even, you can't even get to the Father without going through the Son. So how in the world are you going to love somebody that you can't know without knowing Jesus? Jesus is the way. Now, yes, he's God, so loving God ultimately in, in the person of Jesus Christ gets you to heaven. But I want you to know something. Receiving him into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins without the death upon the cross, the burial and the resurrection. We have no hope. We have nothing. We have no conversion. We have no heaven. That's a stark reality. Just because you have a sign in your house or a fish on your car or whatever you have, a t-shirt or a, a ball cap that says you love God, doesn't mean deadly without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's our hope. The conviction and the conversion of the Word of God, that is our hope. Do you know when I got saved? I got saved when somebody shared with me that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day so that I could have life and that I could have it more abundantly. How else would I know that, that I could be saved if somebody didn't share that with me? When we were in boot camp in the Navy, we had to go to a platform. We had to, we had to jump off this platform. It was only about 30 feet. You had to jump off this platform. You had to hit the water. You had to go to the bottom. You had to push yourself off. You had to tread water for so long. And you had to do so many laps around the Olympic-sized pool. I grew up in, in the water. It was, that was not hard for me. But there were other people I was very shocked by. There were people that joined the Navy that didn't know how to swim. I didn't know a whole bunch about the Navy. And I knew it had something to do with water. So I remember this guy. He was actually our RPOC. And man, this guy could do 500 sit-ups. 
300 push-ups. He could do pull-ups until your arms fell off. He could run and run and run and run and run and never get tired. He's the joker that made us go through the gas chamber twice. Because we had to go through the gas. Oh, that's a fun, fun time. You get in this chamber and they drop gas, tear gas in there, and, and you're hacking and puking and snotting and everything else. And you have to go to the door. You have to say your name, your rank, and your social security number. If you don't get it right, you get to the back of the line. Not with a gas mask on by the way. So we got out there, everybody, they got all these buckets because everybody's throwing up. It's just terrible. Your eyes are burning, your ears are burning. I mean, you, I mean your, hair, your hair follicles are burning. And so we get out there, and, and he goes, well, that wasn't that bad. Marched herself right back in there and dropped another gas tablet in there. And, man, he could do everything. The man couldn't swim. So he gets up there. He walks to the end of the thing. They said, jump, and he jumped. Couldn't believe it. Hit the water and started flailing everywhere. I didn't know that you could. I thought everybody could doggy paddle. I mean, just keep yourself above water, right? I mean, the swimming part would have been hard, but he's flailing all over the place. Well, they have these guys on the side of the, side of the pool with these really long poles. And so if they see that somebody's in danger, they'll take the pole and they'll put the pole over there by him so that they can grab the pole and pull him up. It's a fail. You have to do it again. Now he's flying all over the place. I'm next. And I'm thinking to myself, this dude's going to drown. And so he puts the pole over there. Does no good if the guy doesn't know the pole's there. So he's, I mean, I bet he drank half the pool. I mean, he's about ready to drown. And the guy, the guy never panicked. The, the guy that's standing on the the instructor on the side of the thing, he picked up the thing, bopped the guy on the head. I mean, that's a metal pole. Bopped him on the head. And the guy reached up and grabbed the pole. Why did he reach up and grab the pole? Because he knew the pole was there. The pole doesn't do you no good if you don't know it's there. How are people going to hear? They're going to hear because of a preacher. They're going to hear because somebody told them. The pole is there, right? It's there for everybody. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Salvation's for every man. That doesn't mean every man's going to be saved. It's there, right? It's there. But you got to know it's there. How are you going to know it's there? People are going to tell you. Conviction, conversion. You know what, God, you know what God's word gives us? It gives us comfort. Psalm 23 is a very well-known psalm, right? And what has Psalm 23 done through the years? It has comforted people through some of the most difficult times in their life. So we don't have to fear any evil. Because God is with us. His rod and His staff, they comfort us. They're there for us along the way. You remember the, you remember the poem, The Footprints? You remember the, the trouble came and there was only one set of footprints and why weren't you there? Why was there only one set of footprints? Well, the one set of footprints was God. He's carrying us through that problem. And though we go through valleys in life, God is with us. He is an ever-present help in our times of struggle, in our times of trouble. God's Word is there for us. Do you know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, that we hide God's Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. 
And so as we take God's word and we place it in our hearts, when we go through difficult times, we're reminded that Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. We remember verses that we've placed in our hearts for difficult days down the road. Those verses that we've put in our hearts when somebody asks a question, we're able to say, Hey, could you, could, why do you think that God and Jesus are, are, are why do you think that Jesus is, is divine? Why do you think that he's God? Well, because the Bible says, I and my Father are one. The Bible says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've got to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. It's the Word of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is what lie within you. Boy, let me tell you what people need today more than anything else. They need hope. They need hope. You know what people, you know what people do the, you know, while they, while they go, go and, and, and join the Olympics? In hopes of winning gold or silver or bronze. A lot of people join, uh, do, do different, I love, I love, I say, one of my favorite shows is Fortune and Fire. I just absolutely love watching Fortune and Fire. Two reasons. One, I get to scream and holler at how stupid they're being uh, on television. And number two, I don't, I don't actually have to be there and do it myself. And so you always know more sitting on the couch, right? But I love it. And they, you, know why they, you, know why they, you know why they go on that? They go on that to win. Right? Listen, what is life about? Life's about hope. If you don't have hope for eternity, you don't have any hope. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the material things in the world. You can have the best relationships in the world. But if you don't have hope, what do you have? Everything that we have in this world is fleeting. It's fleeting. You can have money. I mean, you can have money going out, coming out your ears. But I can tell you something, it won't give you hope. You can have the nicest house. house. You can have the best car. You can have the nicest things. And you know what we're doing? 90 times out of 100, you know what we're doing? We're chasing hope. If I could just have... Listen, to, for me, it's just one more book. If I could just get one more book. Or Ollie's. Everybody, anybody ever read after David McCullough? Man, you talk about a historian. I mean, he wrote a book on John Adams. He wrote the book called 1776. If you've ever seen that, that's David McCullough. The Johnstown Flood. I mean, he wrote all these awesome books. Well, I have all his books. Latest book he wrote really was kind of an autobiographical book, and it was, you know, uh, The American Spirit, it's called. Great book. As soon as they come out, I get them and buy them. We're in Ollie's. Here's a book, David McCullough, The Pioneers. I said, do what? Excuse me? He never contacted me. He never told me that he was writing that book. I mean, I drooled all over myself to get that book, and it was $4.99. I did a little jig in Ollie's. I was so excited. And not only was there a paperback one, there was a hardback one. And I said, man, that's the one more book. And he's going to write another one, I'm sure, sooner or later. One more book, right? One more thing. One more whatever. If I could just get one. If I could, if I could just get a better house, a nicer car. You know how many times we say that about our cars? Listen. Our poor cars. The best car we have, un- un- unbelievable. The best car we have, Wendy convinced me to give to Anna. Everything I'm driving has got 100,000 miles on it or more. 
and everything goes wrong with it. The stupid Acadia that we have, the, the passenger window will go down, but it won't go up. It's, it's inevitable, absolutely inevitable. I'm going out there. Listen, today I'm ripping the panel out and unplugging it so nobody can put it back down again because it's inevitable. Somebody will go in there. Just the other day, Wendy hit it and said, oops. Do you know how much is raining? I have this flag that has to stick out the door and hang over so water doesn't get in. And the other day I was in there and I said, well, I'll just try it. Shoop, it went up. I'm going to unplug it now so nobody can ever put it back down again. You ever have problems like that? And then this goes wrong. And then that goes wrong. And if I could just get another, you know what? New cars have problems too. And, and bigger, bigger bills. And then there's the, if, you know what we're always doing? We're always chasing hope. Well, if I can get a better relationship, if I could, well, if I could just get a better husband. Yeah. When I got now, stinks. I mean, if I could have a better wife. You know, it's, you know God, it's that woman now that's given me. Things would be a lot better if it wasn't for these kids. These stinking parents, I didn't even get to pick them. They're, if I had better parents, I would, if I had a better relation, if I had a better environment, if I had a better job, if I had more money, it's always something more, isn't it? We're never satisfied unless we're satisfied in Jesus Christ. We're never satisfied unless we're content with whatsoever things that God has blessed us with. And where do we find that out from? The Word of God. God's Word will comfort us and help us through our most difficult times and our most difficult days. And then God's Word, let me leave the last one, God's Word will construct us. God's Word will construct us. You know, the Bible talks about the potter and the clay, right? You're not the potter, by the way. In case you didn't know, you're the clay. And so what does God do? He molds us. And he makes us into what he wants us to be. This is what we do. Generally, this is what we do. We have goals in life of the things that we want to accomplish. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with that. And we teach our kids, listen, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do without any consideration of the will of God. You ever thought about that? There are some things, listen, there are some things that I wish my daughters would do a little bit closer to home. Selfish. I already told them. You decide to go to the mission field. You have the children during the summer, and I have them the rest of the year. That's how that's going to work. So you go somewhere, you go off to Uganda, I'm keeping the kids. And you just, you can come back and you can have visitation rights. And, uh, of course, we're joking, but, you know, those are hard decisions, but have we considered what the will of God is? I want them to be successful and make uh, millions of dollars. Is that the will of God? Have we considered that? Do you know? what? Uh, let's get real, okay? Do you realize it's not the will of God for everybody to be rich? Look around, folks. I, I thought to myself, when that guy pulled up in that car, you know what my first, first thought, I'm ashamed of it. You know what my first thought was? Listen, dude, we're already having our own problems. We can't give you anything. That was my first thought. The first thought, he was 
coming in to try to get somebody to give him gas or he's coming in to do something. I mean, it was a junker and inside of it was a dump. And somewhere in the back, there was a kid in a, in a, in a car seat and he stopped and he just, it was just a big smile on his face. Hey, you need any help? It's like, man, you know what, you know what happened automatically? Conviction. I was convicted automatically. I was convicted. Thinking to myself, man, th- this guy's got some joy in his life. He don't have anything. Or not in front of me anyways. I don't know. He, he could have lived in a mansion somewhere. I don't know. But, uh, but he didn't have anything in front of him. But man, he, he looked like he was having a good time in life. It's not about things. Allow God to construct you. Sometimes he has to take a little bit off. Sometimes he's got to put a little pressure on. But you know what he's doing? He's making you and molding you into what you need to be. That person is just a thorn in your flesh. Somebody came to your mind, you should be ashamed of yourselves. They're thorn in the flesh, right? I mean, they don't ever, ever have anything good to say. By the way, if you're going to be critical, at least, at least be complimentary on top of it. Use a sandwich for crying out loud. If you're going to be critical, be nice, be critical, and then be nice again. I mean, work on it. But I'm here to tell you, that person God put in your life on purpose, he might be keeping you a little bit humble. She might be keeping you a little bit on track. Let me tell you about criticism. There's only two kinds. Just two. There's constructive criticism that's going to help you. And then there's criticism from somebody that's just a critical person. But do you know that you can learn from both? The constructive criticism comes, by the way, from somebody that you love. Somebody that cares about you, somebody that wants to help you. The critical one comes from the person that's critical, and they're critical about everybody and about everything. They just don't like life, and they're critical. But you know, even when it's not true, even when somebody has said something to me that was ugly... I thought to myself, the first thing I thought was, is it true? What can I do about it? And if it's not, walk away. Walk away. Allow God to construct you. And sometimes he'll bring people in your life. Sometimes he'll bring things in your life. I said it in Sunday school. Some of the, some of the biggest lessons we learn are the times when we suffer. We're more in tune to spiritual things more apt to listen, pay attention to that still, small voice. And God is taking a little bit off, and He's mo- And at the end, if we listen to God, at the end, we'll look back and we'll have no regrets. Praise God. This is what God did. This is what, this is what God made. And we are, listen, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? Jesus Christ died for you, was buried, and the third day He rose again so that you could have life. Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and write back down, and I pray for you. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. 
Maybe you're saved. You know Christ is your Savior. Have you made God's Word a priority in your life? Preach the Word, church. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Let's get out the Word of God. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed. Piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Maybe right there in your seat or right down here at an altar.